A lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at uh1.com. Big Jim is wearing his heel. Yeah, it is actually for me, like a lot of people laugh on us, but it is good to get, like, it's very hard sometimes smash the bits like and then you know, you know you're not as good as you there is somebody who has you there's always somebody who has your number my father hates rugby like you can't stand it he doesn't like rugby your dad yeah no he he honestly he hates it why just uh, hates a strong word yeah hate it's the right word balls going through my hands dropping everything and like halfway through training he comes to me and he says how much brandy did you drink last night I was like but I didn't have brandy last night and he was like well what did you have and I was like no I had gin (laughs) (laughs) on this episode I'm joined by an absolute bull of a human being. South Africa number eight, Leicester number eight, Jasper Visa. Jasper Visa. Hello. Jim, how are you? Very good. This is your first podcast, right? Yeah. Yeah, this is my first one. Good? Nervous about it or not? Is it? Is this... I live, I say I'm not a bit nervous. But Mate, it's, uh, it's crazy to think that, that one of the hardest men currently in rugby is nervous doing a podcast. But this is the change. <laughs> we were chatting in the green room about the lay of the land with media, the different sports and stuff like that. Yeah. And having someone like yourself, massive admirer, but you're one of the most physical guys in the game at the minute. I think it's class that you've agreed to come in. Thank you very much. No, no. Uh, thank you for having me. What are you like with the media stuff? Is it a case of, is it something that as South African lads coming through, is it not a thing? You just want to monster one another? Yeah, no. I I just try and stick away from it. I'm <laughs> always scared I say the wrong stuff, especially, like, especially at the club and stuff. If I get my hours in, because you do have to do a certain amount of media. Yeah, but that's so different. That's I, different media. This you can it. make mistakes. Yeah, that's the thing. That yeah. is the the best part about this, probably. Loving life at Leicester, my former club. Yeah, yeah. No, it's been good. If I complain about everything or anything, I'll really be ungrateful. So, but it, it has been good. I, I'm enjoying the club a lot because yeah. winning the Premiership and winning things right is. The main part of enjoyment, that's why we're in it. That's why yeah, we're yeah. in it. To have been able to do that with Leicester is, is probably one of my highlights in life, definitely. Yeah, there's been some big changes at Leicester. Yeah. As players, how have you dealt with that? I'll maybe just give a bit of my context, but it'd be great yeah, to yeah. hear from your point of view. So Leicester Tigers, a club that I played at, had huge amounts of successes, not to do with me, but the likes of John yep. O, uh, Neil Back, you know, them glory years, Graham Roundtree, Richard Cockrell, Dorian yep. West, Julian White, Martin Corrie, I mean, some of the greats of English rugby and went through a massive lull, huge transition period and then kind of found their way again in bringing Steve Borthwick in yep. and Kevin Simfield and it took a while for them to transition to what we saw last year, which was a championship winning team yeah all glory it looked 
brilliant. I'm thinking from the outside looking in, this is amazing. Can they do something in Europe? And then the whispers of Eddie Jones potentially leaving and Borthwick coming in. I'm like, nah, he's only 42, <laughs> is he? Yeah. No chance. Surely they're not going to rip Steve Borthwick out of Leicester halfway through the season. So my question is, Steve Borthwick going, how has that been for you personally, but the lads? Obviously, it's been a, a big transition. I won't say big transition, but a lot of getting used to. I felt I had like a feeling when, especially when it got bad with the media and stuff with Eddie, I, I thought they might bring in someone else, but I didn't think they'd take Steve like immediately. And then after the Clermont game, he came into the change room and said, well, that's him. He's done. Kev stepped up and everybody's like, okay, he's going to announce that he's the new interim head coach. And he said, Steve's given him the opportunity to go with him. So yeah, that was that was a shock for me. I didn't. I thought he'd at least give us like a lead up and say, "Well, see, I've got two games left. Let's make it the best that we can." And um, yeah, I haven't spoken to any of them since. I I must do it. Um, I'm still maybe I'm still a bit bitter, and that's selfish of me. But it was a bit shit, if I can put it like that, because yeah, they. Both of them played a big part in where I am today. Uh, Kev maybe a bit later on, but but Steve has been... He, he was the the coach that spotted me to come to Leicester and then obviously pushing me to, to become better. When I arrived here, literally no one knew who I was. And he, him and Alad working together put a lot of work in with me. So I, I think I'm a bit selfish of him saying I'm, I'm mad at them, but... I grant him the opportunity. Steve deserves it, even though you might argue he's, a, like you said, he's a bit young or anything, but the amount of work he put in, like in the two years I've seen it, and I'm sure he'll do a great job with England as well. It's class that you're sharing, your raw emotions around it, because I imagine that's what it was like. I, I said to Deeks about it, and he was just like the whole way it kind of came around was a bit weird, because Steve would yeah. come in and say... Nothing signed yet, which kind of means that it's. Happening. I wasn't. I wasn't there for that when. Uh, so I, we were in our last week in camp. Uh, we were playing Italy, or, or well, I was. That was my last week in camp, and um, so I phoned Andrew, like the captain, and I uh, asked him, like, uh, Steve said anything. We're seeing all of this, like, in the media and stuff. And um, he said, no, no, he hasn't said anything. Then I got a week off when I came in. Or I played one game, then got a week off. Phoned him again and he said, yeah, Steve spoke about it, but he said he hasn't signed anything that, like, he's in the dark as well. And I was like, okay, well, maybe my suspicion is wrong. Maybe the media is just hyping this whole big thing up. So, and then a genuine shock when it came. Because when we got into the change room after the game, I was sat next to Lenny. And uh, he went, something's going on. He didn't even Every, know. Nobody knew. This, that was the, yeah. the the like, Lenny uh, sat next to me, and I'm like, oh, that was, obviously, we won. So I told him that was a good game and everything. And he was like, something's going on. Because Steve never brings his wife into the changing room. His wife was in the changing room. He always brings Hunter and Chase, like his two kids, in, brought them in as well. Lenny said something's going on Wilkes he just sprinted to Steve and they're talking and stuff and I was like oh surely not like this like surely not 
like this and well obviously it was like that so a bit disappointing but i'm really glad for him and for kev kev's the one so i know steve's going and i think the hope was that sir soon to be sir kev simfield what was it was that like the gut punch that it was a bit of a gut punch definitely because well that's crying or not I, Brett, I was emotional. You were. I was. I was. Yes, but be surprised. Come on, you can say it. That's fine. Um, I, I was. I was emotional because, believe it or not, Steve was emotional, and um, he started talking, and you could you could hear like as he was about, he was becoming emotional, and then obviously emotions were high. Then when he was finished, like I where I was at, I could see seven guys, eight guys crying. So you sat there like what is happening and then Kev, and then he says the same thing and then it's just like a bit of disappointment coming in and then at the same time you have to be happy for wig as well because he is coming out of a massive career he didn't tell anybody as well like he got a phone call he said he got a phone call on the on the friday when steve said he signed he got a phone call and said like would you be able to do this and he didn't tell anybody, like, it's his last game. Didn't get a send-off. Nobody knew. Just his wife and his children knew. And then you sat there and thinking, well, like, obviously, people have preferences of how they want to end their career. But, like, him ending it that way. I don't think he would have wanted a big send-off, but I think he deserved one, if I can put it like that. Well, I think everyone agrees it'd be great to see Richard Wigglesworth get that opportunity we saw lads like yeah. brad barrett at saracens retired during the pandemic and there was no real hysteria That's the thing. but with wiggy the way it's come around there's a lot of pressure i mean he's, he's definitely the man for the job yeah to be able to do it with his experience and stuff like that south africans in the premiership the urc around europe now i don't want to say that your signing at leicester was to do with me but me and deeks brett deke and my best mate the forwards coach yeah at leicester who's been there a long time said to me what would you do jim if you're struggling as a team, I said, I'd, I'd sign those South Africans, bro. That's what I would do. I genuinely said this yeah. three or four years ago. He said, why? I said, route one, route one, China. I said, they're robust. I said, humble. And I'm piggybacking now what Alex Anderson, the sale coach said. Yeah. Great people, hard working, not really high maintenance. And if you're Fafta clerk from what I hear, you don't need to answer <laughs> that. Maybe it's just the hair. Yeah. But Deke said, he said, what you reckon? I said, I tell you now. I said it used to be Georgians for the scrum and stuff like that. I'm telling you now, for durability, South Africans. Yeah. Why has there been a big shift now with a lot of you lads coming north? And there's, I know there's a few dotted about in France, the URC. Yeah. There's a load of top players playing there as well. What's the chat amongst you all? I, I don't. I don't think there's really any chat amongst it. I like. Um... Well, for me, it was when I came to a certain age, like obviously my my situation is a lot different, let's say, than the, the Prius that signed at sale or my brother signing there. We got kicked out of our comp, which was the Pro 14. What um, club were you at, at the time? Uh, Cheetahs. Mm. So the guy was helping me at the time. My agent told me I can either go to Connacht or Leicester. So I said, oh, well, what does he think? And he said, uh, Leicester's getting a new coach, Jordan's obviously stepping out as head coach and Steve Borthwick is taking over. So I said, okay. And he said, before you sign it, Steve wants to chat with you and talk to you. He basically said that Connacht is not like the right sign, he thinks, because he said there's only one South African there. 
and he's also leaving. So it'll be better to adapt with, let's say, three or four other South Africans with you. Spoke to Steve, couldn't understand a word he's saying because I was on a Zoom call. And <laughs> <laughs> my first time hearing an uh, Englishman on a Zoom call, he said, yes, sir, yes. That's, that, yes, I'll... Before I came over, I said to him, like, I don't want to be a guy they sign and I just, like, get lost. Like, I don't want to come over, move my whole life over here and then hold a tackle bag. And after two years, they say, well, thank you. And then, because it happens. It happens with, like, some guys in the situation I've been in. They haven't played any big rugby. And then they come over here and they think, oh, this is going to be my big break. And then they sort of get lost. So I told them I'll give everything I have. For the club, I'll if I'm not playing, I'll help the other guys. But just give me a fair chance to prove what I have. And then came over. So I wouldn't compare my circumstances to, let's say, a guy who wants better money in South Africa. He comes over to the Prem and says, oh, I'm getting better money here. But I think it's for your experience as well. But for me, it just felt like it was the right the right move at the time and maybe loads of other guys will say that's the same for them as well they want to experience new things maybe get a slight bit more edge on their game as well because the game here is very different than it is in South Africa in yeah. what in what way the international fans will be keen to hear <laughs> um just i think over here it's a more forwards in the URC it's developing to that as well like in super rugby you had loads of running rock because the weather is completely different it's Hard not ground. raining on a saturday before kickoff and then you're playing on a soft ground and you have to maul and like you had teams who did that like the bulls obviously are famous for playing their forward style rugby but other teams weren't and now with the urc you are seeing teams adapt to that because you're coming to connock where you're playing on the dog track and you have to maul them because you can't kick a ball or you can't run the ball so it's it's good to see that that part as well, and that's why I think the the comps are so good. Like the European, the Champions and the Challenge Cup is good. Like you get to experience what it's playing against the French, and playing against uh, Irish and Wales and Scotland. Like to sort of judge where your competition is at, if I can say it like that. Yeah, the URC has added a completely different dimension by bringing yeah. in the South African teams, which. We can't even call it Europe now. Yeah. Call it the Champions it's, Cup. I know. It's a global I, I, league. What yeah, it is, yeah. And it's I've kind of flip-flopped back and forth on it. But actually, I think for the growth of the game, we need the South African teams in there. But the URC, one thing I look at when I look at that tournament, and it is improving massively, I don't know whether you chat to any of the lads in it, but the travel. Yeah. Like, that is, sure, uh, that is I, I reckon that is probably the most horrendous part of that. I reckon it would have been so much easier if the countries were five hours closer to each other. Because mm. <laughs> it is it is like when I was at the Cheetahs, we were in Bloemfontein. We had to travel to Joburg, so that's our flight. Then usually we'd have a layover, layover of like, let's say, five to six hours. And then you fly out to Heathrow or wherever, or sometimes Doha, Dubai, have another delay over there, then travel again. So I I don't really understand, like, they said they wanted to cut travel time with the Super Rugby and stuff, but the travel time is the same. The time difference is not the same, but the travel time is the same, basically. 
sometimes even longer traveling yeah because you have to go different routes and you have to a cheaper flight might be doha to Heathrow instead of a direct flight to Heathrow. so it's but the travel is i i reckon that is the hardest part and also with the internationals as well like i'm looking at ebenezer beth he was in france at toulon yeah and then playing a load of rugby that i know was injured a little bit but the expectations on him to play top 14 to play champions cup and then the south african stuff that comes in between yeah. Then he signs for the Sharks, and it looks—I don't know what his minutes or his game time is—but you look at the amount of travel they've got to do. Yeah, yeah. Crazy. So URC, you've got Italy, Wales. You've got to get to Connacht. You've got to get up to Scotland, and then you're in the Champions Cup. You've got to get over to France. You've got to get to London, and then you go back, and then it's—it is a lot of travel. And I think you like that's something they have to adapt to, obviously. Like, if you lose two or three games on the trot and you say, oh, but it's the travel, then everybody's traveling. Why is one team winning and you're not winning? Or why is said team traveling the same amount of time as you and they're winning and you're not winning? So I think it's for, for all the South African teams, all the Northern Hemisphere teams as well. It's the same getting cut under the same knife because what is it? the comments will be the same either way. If you're traveling from north to south or south to north, it's it's the same. Small details are big surfaces. Tight corners are odd shapes. Flat, rounded, textured, or tall. Whatever your next project, there's a spray paint pattern that's just right. Because Rust-Oleum's new Custom Spray 5-in-1 gives you control with five different spray patterns. So you can tackle nooks, crannies, edges, and curves without worrying about drips, runs, uneven coverage, or anything else. Custom Spray 5-in-1, only from Rust-Oleum. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Growing up in South Africa. Now, I've spent a bit of time in South Africa. I played in Durban as yeah. a young lad. Leicester sent me there to play. I've been back done a couple of documentaries for rugby pass i love the place i always find it really interesting when you see players that come to play to europe that don't end up going back yeah what's it like as a country like are you a home bird do you understand why players wouldn't go back to south africa no i'm i'm the exact opposite of that like i think it's <laughs> the land of milk and honey just because I, there is some stuff going on but every country has them. Oh so yes, we do. That's the that's the thing. Like, probably it is it, it is a bit more because I'm homebound. Like, I I love the place where I come from. I love South Africa as a country. There isn't another country like it. Like you, for me, like, this is my personal opinion. It's based on me growing up there. We, my father's fa uh, so I'm from a farming background. So my father farm still farms. My older brother farms a bit, and we've bought land and everything. So I I can't see why people won't go back. It's just, and again, it's by circumstances differ. 
but I I can't see myself not going back after rugby. What part of South Africa are you from? Uh, so we're Northern Cape. It's always easier to explain. We're close to Namibia, like let's say a hundred miles from the border. Uh, well, I've got a simple story. Everybody has a big story. I don't have a big story. I'd Simple's always best. Simple. Grew up there after school. Got a contract at the Cheetahs. Played there for seven, eight years. Got the opportunity to come over. Don't have the old cliche. Oh, I had to. F- well, I had to fight a bit, but not. There's a boatload of guys who have fought much harder than I have to come where they are today. So. Well, it's not been all glory. Yeah, yeah. For you, no. you've had, you know, you've had to yeah, graft. Yeah. You've taken the risk of coming from home, and you're a you're a home bird. Yeah, and you've come here and grafted to get where yeah, you are yeah. out of nowhere. Really, no one had heard of Jasper Visa before you started yeah. monstering people in the prem. You know, it's <laughs> yeah. about taking the opportunity. It is. It is. Yeah, I always like try to think of if I were were to be asked about like, do I have like a? I had my odd days and people. Well, I wouldn't say not believing in me, but I was throwing away my potential a bit at some stage. In what way? (laughs) Um, So 21, you get out of your junior contract at 21, and you basically fold over to senior. If you get a contract, you go over to a senior contract, and then I get picked into the Super Rugby squad for the Cheetahs. Um, We go to Zimbabwe. Uh, they always have like uh, all the South African teams travel there and then they play warm-up games against each other and then that's it. And uh, our coach at the time was Franco Smith. He's at Glasgow now. Um, strict man. Very strict man. Um, so uh, we play the Stormers on the Saturday. Fine. We go on a boat cruise on the Sunday and um, well, I'm not proud of this but get a bit like steaming on the boat and he's like oh, nobody's going out we've got a flush out training tomorrow and um like some of the older boys tell me oh we're going out we're not staying in the hotel you come here once a year and you make the most of it so go out next morning bit of a daze because we were out till like four or five so i'm tired and too much to drink and everything get on the pitch and it's not it's like a full-blown he knows rugby session. He knows you've been out. He comes. He had a big thing about brandy. Like uh, you couldn't wear flip flops, and then um, we have like uh, basically chewing tobacco. So he, that was his three things because he always or he believes you have to set an example for other people. So when they see you walking and they recognize you, they go, "Oh, well, look, he's properly dressed, has like proper shoes on." And when you go out, you don't drink too much because people see he's drinking too much and all that things. So he comes to me in the middle of training. So I'm running. I knew I had to run hard because I was like young in the squad. And the running's fine. Like I get out in front and I like stay there, but I couldn't catch a ball to save my life. Like balls going through my hands, dropping everything. And like halfway through training, he comes to me and he says, how much brandy did you drink last night? I was like, but I didn't have brandy last night. And he was like, well, what did you have? And I was like, no, I had gin. (laughs) (laughs) And um, (laughs) he goes like, it's the same fucking thing. Like, 
belt. As a, like, which is right of him? Because he told us not to go out, and I, like, didn't listen. So, very unhappy about that. And um, so, at the end of the day, uh, Henku Fenter, he plays for the Sharks now. He was our eighth man there. Uh, he got injured, and they, uh, well, basically told me I was going to go with if I wasn't out in the piss in Zimbabwe. So, then went from there. Didn't make the squad, or well, didn't make the squad further that year. Um, got home, and the Griffins, I don't know if you know the Griffins, it's like the subunion for the Cheetahs. It's like they call it Northwest Free State. Yeah. So, got in the Monday, he told me, You're going to the Griffins. I'm like, Okay, fine, get there. Like, <laughs> it's a, a weird, but it's, it was a good place for me at the time. Like, our coach is like 50% blind. Like, it's a very much player-driven club. Get well, if, the, if the coach is blind, it'd have to be, wouldn't it? <laughs> um, so... Uh, it's the diversity thing. That, that's... Uh, that's um, and, um, like, loads of the old Cheetah boys that they weren't getting contracts, they would go there, they would play there, and then if they were playing well, they'd get drafted back into the Cheetahs or or picked up by another, another um, club. So stayed there for about six months. Then Franco left. Um, he uh, wasn't coaching anymore. He went, I can't remember now. I think he was going to Italy. Mm. So, but he was for shorts then like six or seven months. Um, so Rory Duncan took over. He phoned me, asked me, can I come back? Uh, played like, let's say, 10 games under him in the Pro 14. Then Franco came back again and sort of... Buried the hatches, like said. You're sober now. I'm sober now. I'm. I'll. I'll give it my all and give it. And we had a really good relationship after that. Like, I knew. I like. I always go like. Oh, when you would have asked me four years ago, I would have been like, "Oh, he's a like." But I knew he did the right thing because he he had to do it to maybe show the other boys or. He knew maybe I was capable of more than what I was doing at the time. So um, he took over again. Had a great run under him, like buried everything, just got the best out of each other, I believe. I hope he feels the same. Um, and then he left to coach at Lee after the last one. So, And then the Pro 14, new coach came in. I knew him because he was the guy who picked me. He was like in the... Academy squad, I would basically that's what you'd call. He was academy scout, so he scouted me out of school to come to Cheetahs, and he took over as head coach. So I knew him very well. Then played, and then can't do much if your team gets kicked out by South Africa. So then the opportunity came, and then that was that was it. Well, you said it's that's not my idea. hard work. Well, well, you say hard work. I mean, I can't imagine playing rugby in Zimbabwe and the Griffins. Yeah, yeah, big shout out to the Griffins, like that <laughs> style of rugby. I look at, I suppose, grassroots rugby, and it will go back to the point where having spent a bit of time there, like I, yeah. I went over to South Africa in 2019 and did some time in Port Elizabeth, uh, Cape Town, in some of the townships, and I just couldn't believe the state of some of the pitches. Not that you were on these pitches, but to rise to the top yeah, yeah. in them situations, I just I, I looked at it. It was just so raw. And not poverty ridden, 
but the diversity of class amongst the groups, hard rugby. Yeah. And having played in South Africa when I was younger, I was reminiscing with Deeks, Brett Deacon, who yeah, yeah. we've referenced a couple of times. Like We played in a tournament in Stellenbosch. So we've travelled... We would have driven right from Natal, from Durban to Stellenbosch. You can drive, right? Yeah, yeah, you can yeah, drive. Six yeah, hours, yeah. am I right in saying? Yeah. I'd, yeah, yeah. Let's say seven or eight. Okay, yeah. seven or eight hours. <laughs> well, we got there in six. Um, I remember playing a tournament with him um, at Stellenbosch, and it was that old school, so old school, the fact that he's gone to charge down a ball and the guy's kicked him in the finger, and his fingers, he's got a compound fracture on his finger and there was no medics or anything there. Someone's come on with an ice thing and he's icing his wrist. And we were chatting about how Brett's personality is he goes from zero to a hundred. Yeah. I didn't have a driving license and I've had to drive from Stellenbosch back to Durban and he is pissing blood all over the car on the way in to try and get some medical attention. And I said to him, Can you like imagine if like no wonder they're so hard. If you're like if this is like a tournament that's put on there's no paramedics. I mean, this is a long time ago. Yeah, this yeah. is 2001. I'm sure it's very different now. Yeah. And we got him back and he was fuming. I mean, could you imagine? He nearly, lost the, nearly lost the end of his finger. Yeah. Like, it's hard. It's a hard system to come through. No story is the same, but I mean, some of those boys' stories are the, term, the, the determination some of them have to be like, I, I will, I will make it like, like the lifestyle I come from is not going to stop me. Like that is like, I hear some of those stories and I go, and you meet the guy you're playing with him. And then you're like, my archer was, I had to go to another club, which was not in the curry cup at the time. And, and I think like, but my story isn't, I'm it's a piece. different, yeah. I, I had a, a breeze to what you've had. Cause that guy was just, I will not let, the place I come from or my living circumstances or the fact that my mother and father don't have any money dictate what I'm going to do with my with my career in rugby. And that's the beauty of the sport that we're in. Like, well, that's the beauty of South Africa. That's very different there. Yeah. And that's why I fell in love with the country and why I love South Africa. Yeah. Because of that line that you've just given there, it is one of those unbelievable countries and we've seen a huge shift yeah. around South African rugby over the years. And again, one thing we were talking about in the green room was my experience there. Yeah. Chatting to some of the guys that played during apartheid and the cultural conversation around there where at that point it was very difficult for me to have because we were talking about some of the backgrounds that they'd come from and we were talking about racial stuff, which is not at all in my comfort yeah. zone to talk about. And the the mix within the South African community, obviously, but within the rugby team, yeah. And I was saying to you that I was having to interview white people and people of color, but then dynamic and cultural differences. I came home from that and I just thought like, wow, one for me coming from Edinburgh in Scotland, albeit the streets of Coventry, having played rugby, I thought I had a tough yeah, yeah. rise to get through. And, is... then I, and then I look at that. And you look at Sia Khaleesi's story, and everyone talks about Sia, and not only is he a fantastic man in his story, he's a brilliant rugby player. It's not, yeah. you know, the, the way that he's come through. Mapimpi, I watched uh, the Chase in the Sun dog yeah, where yeah. Rassi is crying. Like, I, I don't know how you are as players coming through that kind of environment, but 
it just seems like now that it all worked and there's a comfortable aspect of being able to have that conversation and talk about them things. Yeah, like, um, obviously it's, I wouldn't say, like, I, I, I don't experience it often enough at all because I reckon it's the industry we're in. Like you said, it was a different time back then, a completely different time. So maybe we're not, let's say, as open to it or ex let me say I wasn't as exposed to it as most people would have been. So it was always a normal for me. Like it wasn't weird for me or. And that's great. Like, obviously you would, you would, you saw color and, but I, I never had like a, how can I put this? I, I can't fight, but I, it was never weird for me. It was never weird for me to say, but he's black and I'm white or like that and again this is just my my take on it but a lot of those boys grew up tough they had to go through some some dark stuff or not dark stuff but they had to fight and a lot of them came from a, a lot worse background people being murdered in their families and stuff like that like and then i just go back and go like i'm very grateful for everything that i have had never like going to bed hungry or having to endure some of that you can say it eight like people have for them like and it's like it's not it's not fair to them first of all because you can't judge somebody off the color of their skin first mm -hmm. of all and then second of all like if you actually do like take the time and chat with a person and meet them and enjoy his conversation then you'll actually realize what he's actually a way better person than you are in most of the cases, mm -hmm. that's the thing. Like, it's um, and again, this is just my take on it because I've never been exposed to like, let's say, a thing where you can't say this person is white or this person is black. It's or even in Cape Town where they talk about like people of color. We know them with colored people because that's the the thing that they they got a missing tooth like me and they're shouting in the Western Pro like in. Uh, point they're shouting yes let's go and it's always like it's not been weird for me but again i i can't speak for them like maybe they have way worse stories of, of yeah, something of course. Yeah. happening to them yeah of course and then i don't even know half of it mm. so but that's great that you like that because yeah, there, yeah. there has been a generational shift that is where it. it's become normal to be able to talk about it and to yeah, be yeah talking about it in a way in which it is nothing i think that that is a, a good thing yeah. and also understanding the path that different people walk and again watching the documentary chasing the sun that deep-rooted love that rassi had for each and every individual yeah. but the men that had walked the toughest path to get that there the was just it was real yeah you know and that is when i was watching that like it's the, that is raw emotion right there like mm. that is when you come to love someone you've and you you have the biggest symphony like if you could put yourself in their shoes and take that hurt away from them then obviously you would have but it's it doesn't work like that you can't go back in time and you can't go to when somebody was three years old and take him away because then you never would have known what he would have become because that's the beauty of everybody's story. Like you have your own story and at the end you can tell that story and say, look what I've become or 
by the grace I have become this like it's that's the beauty of everybody's like different path they're walking and um one out of 100 wins and the other 99 loses so I think that's sometimes something you got to think about like you got lucky to have met this person and to hear a bit of his story as well mm. like that is it's it's amazing how how that works in a sense like everybody walks their own path and you can't walk a mile in somebody else's shoes to have known what they've been through so that is i think that's what makes it so special as well like everybody has like a a true deep love for for the game uh, well in the environment i've been in like everybody loves it because it's like sort of i wouldn't say saved them from something but it's been like almost like they're saving grace from going downwards or in a spiral or anything like that. Like it's been sort of their saving grace to rugby. rugby. Mm. And that is, that is the beauty of this, this game. Like you can be 1.5 meters or you can be 210 and you can still play it. You can still love it as much. Yeah. Love that. With South Africa, <clears throat> I think that that's why there's been huge success in the national team. When I listen to you speak yeah. and when you learn the stories and I've spent time there, you look at everything the country's been through when it comes down to it. I mean, I don't know any other team. Like, yeah. I'm not saying that there aren't them stories yeah, yeah. in New Zealand or England or France or Scotland, Australia, yeah. but there ain't. There are, there, are, there are not that many stories, <laughs> yeah. as in historically, as in that are there, yeah. currently playing now. Like, there's not a Mapimpi, there's not a Sia Khaleesi, just to name two. Yeah. I'm sure there's others yeah, that are yeah. coming through with no, similar. Definitely. I think that that is a large part to why when the shit here really hits the fan or when it's time to to really deliver. Yeah. And you've got Rasti at the helm yeah. orchestrating that with the emotion that he wears. And you have that lovely little mix of people from different backgrounds. Yeah. And that just shows like if you get that part right... If you can channel all that emotion into one team, it's just it's bound to be a success. Rugby so. is is it like the number one to be a Springbok in South Africa? I know football's still quite big, right? But yeah, South yeah. Africa, because of the success in rugby, yeah, we think and rugby. Or is that just because we're rugby, or is it Springbok? <laughs> no, I'd, uh, well, probably like the cricket team is pretty big as well. But where where I'm from, it's mm -hmm. what I grew up with, like. Um, my father hates rugby. Like he can't stand it. He doesn't like rugby. Your dad? Yeah. No. He. He. Honestly, he hates it. Why? Just uh, hates he, a strong word. Yeah. Hate. It's the right word. He was like twelve or thirteen, and he was not running on the pitch, and the coach hit him at the back of the head and said, oh. "Like run." And he was like, "If you, I'm off." He's I'm a farmer. <laughs> and he got into the car, and they drove to the farm. Exactly yeah. that. He's hard so, farmer. Get some graft down you on the farm. And um so and then my mother, she was she's a she was a, she played like SA's netball, like really, really talented. And um then my father got four children. We were four like four children who loved sports. And he couldn't like um he obviously I think he couldn't understand but I think that part of my mother came through very good on us because she, every game she could go to, she went to. 
and he was forced to go to like one game a year. He could pick. You have to go to this game. Pick it and you have to go. So um, me and my younger brother, Kovas, we saw like all the brother Yalpi growing up and he was playing rugby. He taught us to pass and everything. And then when he uh, went to uni, um, he was playing like the teams and we were like, oh, that's what you want to be like. You want to also be able to play rugby and study and everything. And luckily enough, we were we were blessed enough to have been able to go to uni and play there. And then he had to make decision rugby or studies and he went studies. And well, I, me and Corbis went the other route. So And you became a Springbok. <laughs> How cool was that? Yeah, that was that was special. That was very special. Um, was it quick or did you have time to absorb yeah, that, it was, that moment? It was fairly quick. Like um, I think we played our second last game of the season. Uh, it was my first year, yeah. And um, we who did we play at, at home? It was we played Wasps in our last game, and our second last game. Like we were playing, came into the changing room, and. Um, I was sat, sat there like we, uh, I think we won and sat there, had a beer and Alec came over to me because he was obviously at South Africa and he was like, congrats. And I was like, oh. and he said, you made the squad. And I was like, wow, that's that's like massive. That's what I, I didn't have words for it. And um, yeah, then after our last game, got on a plane on the Monday, flew out. My wedding was supposed to be in camp but it was covered at that time so they made like a bubble so you can't leave the bubble so i had to move we had to move our wedding forward like a month got married everything before the camp started so it's a lot of emotion in that time when everything happened but i wouldn't have wanted it any other way like it was honestly if you said there was no COVID, then that would have been better but i just uh whole journey it was to get there was I wouldn't have changed it like it's amazing if you would have told me five six years ago you you're going to be playing for the Springboks then I would have said I don't believe you at all so it's still an unreal feeling for me to this day well it's class watching you do your thing I think you're one of these new age players who can carry the ball and make meters in traffic which is like the golden, it's the golden coin. You know, it's the golden goose of rugby. Yeah. Chatting to Billy Vanapola about it, and he's a different carrier to you. Like he's a heavy carrier, yeah, yeah. and it doesn't necessarily go through the motions. That's the wrong thing to say. But he's just been carrying for years and years yeah. and years. Them kind of tough yards. But you're like this new hybrid breed of carrier. The physicality. How, how does how does one get up yeah. for the game like that? Every like, how do you go every week? And carry like that because I mean I've played 15 years professionally and you do have the emotions of high and low going into games but when I'm watching someone like you I'm like every single week every time you play you play the same way I think like I think it has a lot to do with the guys you play with as well like um because you don't want to disappoint anybody and I like if I had a secret or anything I would have shared it but I don't I can say I listen to this or I think about this and just but honestly for me it's just it's the best job in the world this for me is like peak of what you can have in a working environment like coming in on a day your 
with all your mates, you're all sat there in the changing room talking shit. And then the next moment you're out there working your ass off and then you come back in and then you laugh about it or you say it was freezing and then you go home. And it's just like, for me, that is why, oh, I, it's just, I, I can't explain it to anybody. It's just so good. It's that's, I think that's why I just enjoy it so much because you have to enjoy it as well. You can't just be focused all the time. You have to enjoy it as well. Yeah, you need to have so, a moan. Yeah. You know what that thing is where you moan about the weather and yeah. then you, do you know what it's called? <laughs> what is that? It's called a sappuccino. A sappuccino. Yeah, so I made that up when I was at Leicester. So you, you have like a sap, you have a moan whilst yeah. you're having a coffee. I was called uh, a sappagizer. So someone who saps your energy, but because we do it in a funny way, like you're laughing now, you actually become energized but that about is, it. But that is what it is. Everyone like needs you to moan. there and you moaning before training. The weather is not good. It's miserable. It's pissing down. And you're sat there and you know you're about to run into each other. And the, the, you're right. That gives you energy and you draw a bit of energy off that. And then when you get out there and you get it done, it's not that bad. A sappuccino. I'll definitely remember a that sappuccino. One. It's a great one. You can take that. <laughs> that, has, that took me through my career. The whole Some coaches hated it. Like Andy Robinson, the famous Scotland coach, absolutely shocking. Like he used to say to me, on a Monday morning, I just played 80 minutes at the weekend. We probably got hammered. And he'd say to me, Jim, how are you feeling? I'd say, I'm fucked. <laughs> Be honest. He's like, why are you being so negative? I'm not being negative. You've just asked me the question. <laughs> no, Steve always said that as well. Like, um, you have the, this, the, the penguin effect is when you throw your hands up and down, like, Riff, what is going on? Or The penguin or effect. Penguin effect. Or... You'd have the, you're either taking energy or giving energy, exactly that. Like, are you taking energy or are you giving energy? And I was like, if I'm being honest, most of the time, I'm probably taking a bit more than giving. But you get your boys to get you up, like, probably the biggest giver is Freddie Burns because he's just always, he's just always energized. Like, it feels like he has never ending energy. Like, sad to see him go. It is, but I like fully deserved for him as well, and I'm stoked for him. Like, well, he's yeah. casting his net further for his media career. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Like, as an he asset is. to him, yeah, I was yeah. just like, mate, smart move, both from a rugby perspective, lifestyle, but also in life just, after rugby, yeah, yeah. just casting that net. No, he's, but he is brilliant. But you get your givers and you get your takers. But well, you, most of the time, you'd have a sappuccino and you'd actually do get energized by that, whether you're a giver or a taker, and then you're fine. To well, go. when you're carrying the ball, you're putting people in an energized mood <laughs> when you're absolutely yeah. monstering people. Um, so, Freddie's yeah. off, and Andre Pollard has been there. I made a ridiculous statement. I thought Andre Pollard was like 40, but it turns out he's 28. Yeah. How's he settled into Leicester? I know he's had a few injuries and stuff yeah. like that. Do you think he'll stand the test of time there? Because I think you come into a club, right, of his profile. And I mean, what a gorgeous looking human, by yeah. the way. And he's, I th it's not even big boots to fill, but being at Leicester, that 10, and yeah. the pressure he'd feel being and a World Cup winner, him everyone expected him. Yeah. How's he That's, dealing with that without speaking for yeah, him? Good. Yeah. I think he like thrives under pressure, if I'm being honest. And I think he was a bit frustrated when he first came, just because he got an injury, then that injury led to another injury. So I think he was frustrated, but. I think he's in a good space now. Mm. Um, he is really, he really is world class. Just going back to the South Africa pressures, I suppose that that lads put themselves under. 
And again, one of the things that's quite topical at the minute is around the steroid use at Craven Week. It's kind of been this undercurrent over recent years. It's not really spoken about in rugby, which yeah. again, you think of other contact sports like UFC, NFL yeah. being the big one, um, boxing as history of it. In rugby, right, it's not something that's ever... Even, out, yeah. yeah, it's never stood out at all. But Craven Week in South Africa, and I think you've touched on the desperation some kids would have, right? If you've come from absolutely nothing, yeah. and I'm not, I don't know whether the kids that have been caught taking steroids, that is their backstory. Yeah. But it is a thing, right, within Craven Week and, and South Africa. I mean, what's the... Do you know anything? Like, is it not? I, is it, is it not, I, the, I not, am the wrong person to ask you about. Like honestly, if I knew anything, I would have told you. Mm. Like obviously, there is they. There must be people who use it, but I just I just can't see why you would like you. Well, obviously, you have your reasons why you're taking it, but. I don't know. Oh, I understand just, why they take it. I, I completely would say, <laughs> genuinely. We had, I, a, we, like, yeah. we had a coach. This is actually funny. Like, um, we were getting, even in South Africa, like you get your tests, like you get your, somebody comes and randomly into to the club, like whether you're junior, senior, wherever you are, if your name's called, you get tested. That's it. And um, it was like, uh, we asked them, because his kid was in great college. So he's coming through the ranks. He, he, actually, he was very good. And he was. we like made a joke and we said, oh, would you let him take steroids if it means that he'll be on another level? And he was like, uh, if he wants to do it, I won't hold him back. Like, oh, everybody's like, what? Like, why would you do that? But um, I don't know. It's not like I never experienced it. Like at our club, like everywhere I was in South Africa, it was never like a, a massive talking point, like steroids, mm. first of all. And then um, you'd always have like the rumor, like you have a freak of a guy coming through, like um, who's the guy playing for France? The 24-year-old Oh, guy. I've seen him. I can't pronounce his name. He's at Toulouse, isn't he? I mean, that, he's six foot. And six then you ten. go like, oh, this guy, if yeah. he was in South Africa, he's on steroids. His arms are massive. Mm. Look at him. But actually... He just has freakishly large genetics. So you'd always like, have, like Ebenezer Beth. Like My that, goodness it, me. But he is another specimen. Like, I think if you see his family in general, you'll be like, What is that? Are, like, how? Like, is it uh, the Afrikaans? Like, no, I just think he comes from he's a, a god family. Like, I, so I spoke to him, I interviewed he's, him. He's, he's like, he's talking about his brothers and stuff. Yeah. He just comes from a family of freaks. Like, his father, his uncle, all everyone, single one of them were wrestlers, and his. I think it was his uncle who was still like under under fifty five division. He was like SA champ of it, and like just mad the genetics. He well, has. built for like, rugby, right? As in, you watch an Ebenezer Beth, and again the aggressive, the aggressive nature, weak every yeah, single he, week. I think that is probably like you. You just get some of those guys in your career where you go like out to like seeing he's played for a good 10 years well, I played against him and he just he just gets himself up every week like is he ever down or not that's the thing like does he moan the, or not does he ever moan 
Does he have a look on his face? Yeah, it's like, yeah, right, fuck I, this. Everybody asked him, you can't give me a guy that's always positive. I don't it's know if Johnny Wilkinson, apparently he didn't moan. Really? Yeah, Johnny, Owen Farrell doesn't moan. Nothing. Well, he moans if you drop the ball, yeah, yeah, but, but like in terms of the yeah, environment yeah. or... And never getting tired. About the weather, nah. That it, well, that is, maybe you do meet some guys like that. But Does Eben moan? I haven't heard him moan a lot. Like, he'll be like that sort of sarcastic... We have to tackle each other now, blah, blah, blah. and then everybody laughs, and then it's like, okay, you're not actually moaning; you're just being sarcastic about it. But he's no, he's not a moaner. It's like him, and I look at Coley as well. Played three hundred plus games, four hundred games. Who's that? Him. Sorry, uh, Dan Cole. Oh yeah, Coley. My and, word. Um, I played with Coley in the academy, and looked he's the same. Just <laughs> luscious beard of hair hasn't oh. aged at all like he's looked 60 since he was 15 16 <laughs> and um, I just think like I haven't even been playing that long and if I'm down on a day I just think like this guy has been doing this for 400 games why should I have an excuse to not give it my all Wow, because your all is very different. Sorry, Coley. You know, Coley's in like fourth or fifth gear, just knocking about. You've got to go from zero to 10 or 11 out of 10. No, no. It's, it's like, a different skill. That's why I look at Eben, because I was like, it's not as if he's just going through the motions. He, he is fucking monstering yeah. people in whether or not it's a pick and go, whether or not and it's in a tackle, whether or not it's off the kickoff. He, for me now, has cemented his place as one of the best players of this generation. Yeah. I know people would have been saying that, but there's been so many good players, right? He's been in the harder, like you can say, he's been in the harder era of rugby. Mm. And now in like the current era, like he's adjusted so well to everything, like new rules and everything. And he's just, it's a prime example of like, he's just world-class like this. No like, there's no other word for it, like honestly. I always wonder with him and... Me and him had a bit of a grab that went viral on social media and we spoke about it. Does he have in his black book before, right, I'm going to grab him today or I'm going to grab him? No, no, I don't think so. Like, I wouldn't say he goes like, oh, today I'm going after you. I think he has that with certain players. Yeah, he said he targeted me because he thought I was <laughs> dangerous. <laughs> um, well, that might have been the case. But um, I think he has certain players that he tries to go after but I don't think he sits down and goes like oh you're on my list it'd be good to be on his list though wouldn't yeah. it like imagine oh, fuck <laughs> I'm on Ebenezer <laughs> Beth's list that is the thing oh. no it's if he can do it for that long and then if Coley can do it for that long and still put in a 8 or 9 out of 10 performance then why do I have to main and not try and give it my all yeah. every week yeah, but I think coming back to the initial point, and it's a quite a tough thing to talk about when you're watching guys like Eben and watching guys like yourself who are that you know genetically gifted, and if yeah. you're a small person, you've come from nothing. There's a part of me like, oh, you could never take steroids. You know, you say that, but if but, you, if there if there's no plan B, yeah. if you're there and you're in or it's offered, and you're you're a young impressionable kid, yeah, yeah. and you're watching Ches and Colby fucking it's, dance around like that and become a global superstar and you're watching Sia Khaleesi yeah. becoming one of the most famous athletes in the world, like naturally it's going to be it's there. It's a thought, definitely. Like it, it, it's, 
sometimes like it happened a few times where people are already in the position of like he's become a sp- like Chili Boy or Pele was the one example. Mm. He was already playing Springbok and then he got caught doing serious. Like that sometimes just baffles me. Like why? Maybe he wanted to be well, or maybe he felt like he needed that to be another step above. But I, it's just maybe it's just maybe somebody else can tell you from a different district where they are in South Africa like let's say Western Cape or Eastern Cape or but it was just not like we had a few boys in our school that took steroids but they weren't like rugby players they were like like you know you'd get your different types of groups of people and they were like the gym heads like mm. have to get massive so I was friends with them I'm I'm not ashamed of it but they they weren't denying it they said yeah I wanted to get big so I took steroids yeah but on the other hand, they weren't playing rugby. Like, I feel like um, it became more of a talking point when I started playing, like, in the junior levels. Like, they were saying, if you do take steroids, it's no longer a two-year ban, it's a four-year ban now, and they're making the consequences harder for it. So, but not anybody I've ever played with was caught, I don't know if they did it or not, but... Mm, but there was an awareness amongst, like, coaches yeah, to be yeah. like, because when there's history of that and the desperation, I suppose, like that, I, d- I don't know what it's like at schoolboys here, but I, n- I don't think they would, it would even be on the periphery of even mentioning it, you know? I, yeah. d- I don't know. Maybe maybe I'm wrong, but, mate, it, yeah. it is what it is. It's That's what I'm saying. Like, somebody from a... Maybe somebody from a different area or different parts, like, as you said, there's a lot of desperation and the stuff you do if you're desperate is exactly that is exactly. that is exactly what it is mm-hmm. like yeah but i honestly in our year group like you just got freaks like the one from Marwa, huge guy playing wing gifted fast as hell and like the depreas John Luke and then they My were goodness monsters. Me. Who's the one school. that sell? Is it Rob, the second row, back row, or is that John? No, Rob's, uh, the, Rob's ten, right? Yeah, yeah. So and John, Luke, John Luke, John Luke and Dupree. Yeah, he's the, the back row, yeah, second yeah. row. So I yeah. get them all mixed up, apart from Rob. Who I John know Luke, yeah. that man yeah. is absolutely massive. But uh, like honestly, that's how they look. Not okay. They're a bit bigger now, but. At school level, you saw these two guys. Like you may as well say to them, "There's no point in you coming yeah. to school. Like you're going to be a rugby player it's and one like, of the most durable um, guys." It's like when we saw them. Like we were from a very, very small district. Like Grikwa's country districts, so we were Grikwa's sub. Like, and you hear about these guys, and then you'd come with the Craven Week, and you'd see them, and you were like. Holy shit. That's you're basically looking at this guy going like he's a superstar and I know who he is and he doesn't have a clue who I am. And who was that with specifically? And that like that was with them. Like before the Grand League you'd open the paper and you'd like read about them and The Pre Boys, the Pre Boys. Gonna make are oh, they gonna make SA schools again this mm. year? Because they were playing SA schools from sixteen or seventeen, like in the under eighteen so SA cool. school side. And then you'd read about these guys and then after school, like at junior levels, I played against them, got to know them, and class guys, obviously. But like, it's always just to think the way I thought about them when I was 16, 17 years old is like, 
you always thought like, oh, they'd be the most arrogant guys because you're seeing them and you're not, you don't know them, but you think like, oh, they would. Well, if they're be, rock stars at school, it, you would that be. Is, you that would is be, what would you, you would be thinking. You would yeah, be. So I'll be arrogant as if that was me. I'd be arrogant <laughs> as anything. But like, who are you, minions? I'm the fucking <laughs> man. Yeah, I have a, a very funny Gregory story. Like we played in our. I'm not going to name the guy who got caught because, but he, so he was play he was ridiculously good and uh, played and the year, our senior year, he was like, he's going to make the SA schools team again because he's been there for three years and they caught him and he had like a fake birth certificate and um, he was 23. What position was he? A uh, fullback and he was, but he was... He was he, obviously. I thought at that time, well, if I'm 23 and running against 18 year old kids, I would have been hopefully. Was he was he Fijian or not? That's what the Fijians <laughs> do, don't they? <laughs> we had uh, Saru Rambini, the late Saru Rambini. What a bloke! When we were at Leicester, he passed away unfortunately a few years ago. He had a heart attack, and the whole joke was that Ratu was actually 45 when he was 25 <laughs> and his knee used to blow up massive. We're like, mate, you're 45 years Just old. Just admit it now. Yeah. We never knew how, how old he was <laughs> or any of his friends. Yeah. That was, that was probably the funniest story that would have like, it was all in the papers, like massive scandal. Kid gets caught. Man gets kid. caught being a kid. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Oh, no, it was, that's probably the weirdest story I have. Like, well, it's good to be able to talk about it. Like, I think it's good, especially now with the pressures of rugby, and you can see what's at the end. Yeah, of the opportunity to yeah. become and be a Springbok, which I think we can all agree is a huge, a huge thing, and the successes that come yeah. with that. Um, yeah. Rassi, yeah, I would love to have played for him. I'd love, to, and again, I go based on Chasing the Sun, so it's like Hollywood, yeah, yeah. right? So I'm seeing the Hollywood <laughs> side of it. But you look at the interaction he has with the lads, and what I wanted to chat about was the online stuff, like how that's affected any of the lads at all, if at all, or is it just like you just let him get on with it? Like we see it as he's trying to give us like a fighting opportunity. Like it doesn't really bother, like... It doesn't really bother. Do you see it? Do you hear it or not? Do you see it and then... Do you look at the videos or not? <laughs> <laughs> um, like, obviously, you see this and then or you go like, what, what has he done? Oh, no, he's made a video for a referee. Mm. And not no disrespect to any referee or anything, but I'm just like, is it that bad? Like, is it really that bad? Yeah. And then... But no, I don't think it affects us. Like he's he's a very like emotion, not emotional. He he knows how to get you emotional. Like he's, and I think that's one of his greatest assets. Like he's, and he's really good at what he does. Because I think because he played it, and um, I think he's like he said, like he's made the mistakes, so he knows he's made the mistakes of like. Um, that you would see people make in rugby, so I think that that's what makes him so good at what he does. Like he just knows which button to push and how to get you fired up. And I mean, he is probably the best in the world at that. Like honestly, he just knows 
how to get your rest up for a game. Mm. And does he pick his moments? Because I think if you get a, a coach that's constantly... Yeah. No, I definitely think... Trying he, to get you up. Yeah, yeah. be tiring. I, I know when he... Like, you, that that is probably, like you saying, he picks, like, the right moment. He's not constantly, like, banging on it, but he knows when to, like, get you right in that sweet spot. Like, What about the teams you come up against? I get one thing I found quite interesting... Or maybe not. When I was in South Africa, was there were some South African fans or South African people that support New Zealand? Yeah, yeah. they live in what? What are they called again? There's a, there's a group. I don't know if you know. No, no, name. I don't know what they're called, but yeah. I know it's like in the Western Cape. Like, the Western Cape, yeah. So, like so it's the thing, isn't it? New Zealand would can play in the Western Cape. They'd be like most of the time, like all half black and half, oh, okay. all black, yeah. or even more all black supporters than South African supporters. Yeah, yeah. Who's the biggest yeah. rivalry for South Africa? Like now at this time, I mean, is it is it the All Blacks? Is it England? Is Probably it Probably All Blacks in England, I'd say. Like the England, South Africa has always, always been massive. And then the All Blacks, I'd put the Aussies up there. Really? Well. Yeah, like if I had to go one, two, and three, I'd say England, New Zealand can't really split them. And then Australia third, I think. You can't split England, New Zealand, and that is not. I mean, are you well, playing England now? Yeah, yeah. I think it's just like the emotion around it is probably more England because you're playing New Zealand twice every year. That's the hacker, and uh, yeah, that is mate, like that is special. And then that's why you can't. I can't split the two. Like it's you play England once a year, and New Zealand you play twice. It's always it's like emotion. You know, it comes down to who wants more in the day. Like it's like, and with every team, it's like who wants it more in the day these days. Like you can't say this team is definitely going to beat this team. It's rugby is just at that stage where any team can beat any team. You don't have a favorite. You can't have a favorite because the way the game is now is everybody's like trying to develop their game and going forward and trying to take it forward. So. It's just always like those two games, I would say, I didn't play in this year's one uh, or last year's and the year before that I played in the England one. I remember that was quite emotional. So Yeah, it's really yeah. interesting that because, again, without having the results in front of me, they seem like a team that you've got their number when you play against England. Um, New Zealand are the team that I think for everyone and because of yeah. the deep-rooted history, but it's the hacker, right? Yeah. I think that can be to their detriment. Yeah. Because when they do the hacker, and I've played against you New get, Zealand twice, it gets you to a level yeah, yeah. that Definitely. you can't really explain to people. You also get fired up. For, as much as they are getting yeah. fired up from it, you are getting fired up from it as well. Who are you looking at when you face the hacker? I don't know. Just my opposite number. Like, just trying to look at him, see what his body language Well, obviously, they have like... It's very aggressive in the Arca, so mm. you go, but you're just, it's, it's you a feeling you, you can't describe. You're telling like, me your dad, when you're facing the hacker and you're looking at that, isn't thinking, fucking go on, so. He'll <laughs> <laughs> like watch our games and then. Or is it your mum? Yeah, my mum will be, she, she'll have a say and a few words to say, but like my dad, it's just, he, he's always like, He'll, he watches the game and then he'll say like, oh, that's a good game. Sorry about the loss or congrats on the win. 
And then, but he's always like, if you win it, if you beat the team by let's say 20, 30 points, he's like, oh, they should have stopped the game half time. Why did they let it go that long? And he's always like, pointless. <laughs> and when you win narrowly or lose narrowly, he's like, oh, that was a great game, even like to the end, it could have gone anyway. So he's always like, you shouldn't let the score go to 40, 50 points. He just, oh, feel, well. I wouldn't have played many internationals then. <laughs> it would have been called off early. No. no, he was just, but he's always like sticking up for the, I wouldn't, but like the little guy. Because he, my father's a big man, but he has quite a small heart. So, <laughs> yeah, he's like 160 kgs that he has the smallest heart. I know. What do you mean the smallest heart? He's just no love. like no like all love know, all love. Oh, that's a like, big heart. Yeah, a big heart. Sorry. Yeah, it's like in Afrikaans you say has got he's got like a small heart, like he's got like a little heart. So he, but my father has a big heart then, okay. like really big. Like you won't if you just meet him, you won't say it. But yeah, get to know. Hmm. I didn't think he had a big heart up until I was like fifteen or sixteen. Because he was quite tough with us growing up, but he's amazing. So, well, maybe that's the reason you and your brother are going around monstering people. <laughs> yeah. Who gets Jasper up for games? Like, is there anyone you you come up against that you watch? I know we've just gone through the All Blacks. You look at Ali Surveyor, geez, yeah, Louise. He is also on another level when you play against Sale the Dupree boys is it that physical contest that gets you up yeah it's like you know it's gonna be like sometimes you're gonna get tackled to bits and then another time you might have a good carry and you make three or four meters like I like that like head on kind of stuff where you get the ball off nine and you're trying to create momentum with a snap or no snap <laughs> Well, I tried to step, let me put it that way. But, uh, yeah, I just, I like it. It's You like being hit? Yeah, it is actually for me, like, a lot of people laugh on us, but it is good to get, like, it's very hard sometimes, smash the bits, like, and then you know, you know, you're not as good as you, there is somebody who has your, there's always somebody who has your number, always. Like, if you think you're the best, somebody has your number. Like, somebody's better than you. That that's, is, that's rugby, though, isn't that it? Is, that, that's the beauty of like, it. It's a leveler. If you think you're the best, you're not. Because somebody has your number. Somebody's got you. Again, I'll say it again. Like, it's the best game for me to be ever played. Like, it's just the way it is. Like, the biggest guy can smash the smallest guy, and the smallest guy can smash the biggest guy. Six Nations, South Africa, within the team. Lads keen? Lads up for it? Is it a thing? Or not at like all. We haven't really spoken about it that much. Well, that's good. To be honest. That's good because there's, there's an old school tradition <laughs> that some people would like to hear like, that. But it feels like the momentum's gathering a little bit. Yeah. And it seems like. You hear more chat about yeah. it. But um, honestly, I haven't spoken to, like, I spoke to, who did I speak yesterday? Uh, I think it was to Jimmy uh, Gopeth. And he was like, well, they were four nations, then five nations, then six. So. Maybe it'll be too much if there's like a seven nations or eight nations. Like people won't, I think it's very entertaining if you get to see all the teams playing each other all the time. But as you said, there's sort of like a tradition around it. So and it also needs to be freshened up, I think, uh, rugby across the board. Yeah. 
I don't know as players how you feel about that, but the the globalization, how different different seasons teams are playing, like yeah. New Zealand, it's a yeah. different calendar. It is. Mm. It is like, and I, like you sort of understand why they want to get everybody on the same calendar, like calendar to to play at the same time because it just makes it easier. Like then you know at this time, everybody's playing club rugby at this time. You're playing internationals, but yeah, I don't. I, I haven't given it much thought, honestly. Mm. Like, I can't be too too much bothered about if well, I, I just want to play there. That's all that's on my head. Mm. Like whether I'm playing in the Six Nations or the uh, Championship, I just wanna I just wanna be there and be the best I can be there, not just exist there. Be interesting yeah. to see with South Africa after the World Cup whether there's going to be a big change of guard. I don't know whether Sierkles has come out and said that when he goes to Racing 92 in Paris after the World Cup, he's going to retire, but I kind of get the feeling that he might. I have no idea. Mm. If if no Sia idea. does retire, I know that Dwayne Vermeulen was huge in that environment. Yeah. He, he's He's been through a lot of work in his career. Yeah. He's carried a ball a few a few times. And actually, he, he played for Austria the other week. He looked... And he was- it was unreal. He was unreal, but you can't him. do that every week. Like you just, you get to 34, 35. Yeah. Maybe you can. Scott Berger did when he was at Saracens. My yeah, goodness was... me, probably similar, similar, but a change of guard. So say Sierra isn't captain. Who are the leaders in, in that squad? I'll who could you. you see being captain, taking the team forward? Are there anyone or is it just everything been pinned on Sierra? No, like, I think Yevon, Yevon, I think, I think he would be captain if, if Sierra was to step down. Andre as well. I think he's a brilliant leader. Yeah, there is like a sort of a leadership, like more experienced players that I that you can you can think of. Um Lucanu, he I think he'd be a good captain as well. Like I don't really know. Like if I had to pick one specific like that would be my guess out of three guys. If see I was to say now, he would stop now. That would be my guess. Because it's been him and Dwayne, really. Yeah, yeah. Right? Yeah. And if Dwayne was to also say, let's, I think if CR goes out, Dwayne will be definitely expected to fill that. Because he's been such a massive part of mm. it. Like, um, Isn't he a rock star when he goes back to South Africa? People forget. No, my, he's my mate was saying, like, he is. No, like, he is. He's. Like a celebrity. Like, it's He, it, honestly, mm. like. If you're walking with him in the wall, you'll be like, oh, that's Dwayne Miller. Like, really? Yeah, people. So he's played like for that. the Bulls. Uh, is that his yeah. neck of the woods? And But he's been at the Stormers. Mm. Like, he went for a long stand. I think he played there seven or eight years. But he's a Bulls man, through and through or not? No. He's no. uh, Stormers, is he? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, I think he comes from, like, um, Pretoria, like, more north. Mm. Like, uh, he was, he comes from, like, you know, the Pumas? Like he comes from there, neck of the woods, like up there. Like it, it even frightens me to think what rugby's like there, like as in hard. <laughs> yeah, they've got a nice stadium now up there, but the rugby is hard. Like that's that, that's when you play in the Curry Cup and you know, like that's a team that is desperate. Like they are smashing people week in week out, and they always have the chance to maybe just scoop one in there, like. Like for them, like uh, last year, the Pumas won the Curry Cup for the first time ever. That was like the mo- the best thing that sort of happened for them ever because it's like 
it's a team that nobody thought would win it and they go on to win it and it's like well fair play but yeah no he is a rock star in south africa yeah, yeah it's one of been one of my favorite players having played against them mate it's been awesome having you no, in the studio you. today it's been thank absolutely you, class and again you're one of the men that i look up to in terms of taking the game forward you're comfortable playing the way that you want to play you're happy to talk about the physical elements of it one thing we were chatting about which i think would be great for you to share with the listeners is your love of rugby it comes across in this conversation right but it is going through a bit of a weird time at the minute there it feels like we're not on the cusp of some radical change but for the people listen to this and listen to parts of your story just what rugby's given you yeah from yours and your mum's and your brother's point of view not you <laughs> not you dad <laughs> yeah it's yeah it is going through a weird phase now yeah I, I think you've you're spot on there like um don't want to say sort of it's like a cuss word in rugby if you say soft but it's not let's say it's not gone soft there's just like a few weird changes going through it and um i think they just like let's say danger and stuff if you're thinking about like how dangerous it is that's that's why there's only a select few people playing it and others like to watch it it is a game for everybody that is the beauty of it and it, it is sometimes dangerous if you think about it like grown men running into each other it is a physical game i think you have to remember that when you're thinking like let's say with the law changes and everything like you have to remember it's two guys at 100 kgs running at each other as hard as they possibly can. So yeah, that's it's it is in a weird like as you said it's in a weird weird stage now. But it's like I said to you earlier, a guy who's played nine ten years and he has to adapt to some of the law changes. If he doesn't adapt, then no team will sign him because he can't do it. So I don't know. Like I said, soft is a cuss word in rugby. and um, But it is a tough game. Like it is. The, and, and, that and, is the and, thing. And we like, have to be comfortable to say that. So this is the conversations, again, what we were chatting about. Like, you're, you're sat here, you've got a tooth missing, and you look hard as nails. You know, I've my body's in pieces. Yeah, yeah. And I wouldn't change it for anything, so that's for the, thing, for the like, experiences. At the end of it, like, it is a tough game. It's physical. You get it. You're going to get it. And some people go through a career and they don't get it. Lucky them. Um, but it like it is just it is a physical game. You have to remember that it is a game and like law changes like that, like I said it to you earlier as well, like there has to be like some like some sort of remember that it is an extremely physical game. And then just to some extent like some common sense as well there's been a lot of red cards like especially in the champions cup and in challenge cup like it's just and some of those are like you said it earlier like you're two or three inches too high and you're not thinking about oh i'm gonna you just want to smash that guy in front of you as hard as you can because you have to you have to it's this is what people don't get and they don't like it's like it's either you or me that's what it is if you because, have the ball and you're running at me, it's either me or you. Because in the mindset of it as well, at that moment, you're not thinking win or lose. 
In that split second moment, you're thinking, smash or be smashed. That is it. Or or get ran over. And if you are even a percent off in a collision with someone like you, then you're on your back. And you're probably going to get hurt. Yeah. Like, it's just, like, with the level change stuff, I understand that. But if you get a guy, like, this is my brain thinking the way, like, you've got, you're saying tackle waist high, legs, like, waist high or under. Um, I know a guy can't run without his legs, but you get guys like Dewey Sowa, who plays for uh, Leon, I think, and Nemani Nadolo. If you tackle that guy waist high, like, he runs with the ball in his one arm on his waist and then he's just going to run you over like, okay, you're saying tackle him lower. But then if you're saying tackle him lower, you get risk of your head knocking on his knee. Where do you tackle someone like that then? Because it'd be interesting to hear your your optimal tackle technique because Tua Sova did the rounds on social. I put it on there and, and wrote get lower. I was being a bit... Yeah, no, that is like... Knob, but. You're just like, you have to smash him like... Either shins or you're going to have to hit him. Wherever. Like, wherever it is to stop him. Like, wherever your optimal power is. That is the thing. In that like, moment. And that is some people choke tackle. Like they keep you up. Some people like hitting low and some people like hitting somebody on the chest waist area because that's, that's how you get a guy off balance if you're thinking about it. Like if you're hitting him on top that's where you get him off balance and your best chance is to to maybe put a decent hit on him mm. so it's like but like with those guys you have to like that big my mm. thing is just try and tie shoelaces up like mm. but sometimes you don't get a choice though do you and that's and, the, and that's thing. the thing so if you're like that is trying to adjust in that split second and that's yeah. where the empathy isn't there and if you're Will like Scout like the Irish's game, um, I think it was Ben Loder yeah. who got the red card. Spoken about like that one, was yeah. that was actually like that's a, a, a good ex- like a that's a guy that's a fullback. He's defending. He has to defend two people. He's gonna be more upright because if he's down low and he passes and he gets that pass, but that guy's gone. So he's more upright, trying to stay like alert to if he's passing, I can turn around and maybe get this guy or. If I have to adjust, I can tackle the guy on the left. And like at that stage, I promise you, he's not thinking, oh, I'm going to take this guy's head off because he has the ball and I am just want to make a statement. No, he's thinking, I have to catch up with this guy, but I also have to tackle this guy. And then somewhere there, it's just, there you go. that's exactly what it is. That was the, my point around that one. I know it's going back a yeah, few yeah. weeks, but they're the decisions where there is no understanding just, yeah yeah rugby's played upright and then there has to be like a system where it says okay it's eight contact or you have to go like okay wh- how what was his intent was he actually going to hit them with the shoulder on the head and then you have to there has to be like some sort of compensation between there where you can go like okay his intent wasn't to hit them there if you can call like if you can call it intent, like they, they has to be like, because then you're just going to say, oh no, but my intentions were like, sometimes you get it wrong and you have to admit like you get it wrong, but there has to be like some level of, I wouldn't say compensation, but like logic. Empathy. Empathy. Mm. Cause 
It's, it's logic. It is. It is. Yeah, it is it's hard I've, for the referees again, as well. Again, um, I can't remember in which games, but the ref goes, okay, it's head on head contact. Is the attacker winning or is the defender winning? Okay, the attacker's winning. So he was upright. He didn't level change. It's a yellow card for me because the defender wasn't hitting him high with intent. Then you know, okay. Because if you're going to tackle like this, you're going to get most of the times, if you have a guy as big as the money or just over running at you, you're going to get knocked over by him. So it's just there has to be like some empathy, as you said, like on it. Because as you said, it's, it, it gets played upright. Like you have to be on your feet. You have to look up. You, you, run, look, you, you yeah. run upright. I and know. it's exactly like it's a split second decision that you have to make whether you're staying upright or you're going down. Absolutely. It's just, yeah. Mate, it's been awesome to have you in. Yeah, Jim, I wish you. you all the luck in the world, apart from when you play Scotland. <laughs> no, thank you very much. In the World Cup. Thank you for having me. Mate, it's been a- really good. Absolute pleasure. Cheers, mate. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. If you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. Use the Stamps.com mobile app to mail everything you need to keep your business running with up to 89% off USPS and UPS. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Use code PROGRAM for a special offer. That's Stamps.com, code PROGRAM.